Dateline, 2nd of April, 2023, and we missed April Fools. Yay! Yay, we missed it again. Well, that's good. You know, actually, uh, Grant, as we come into this Australia desk for episode 744, um, April's a great month because it's my birthday in this month, Grant. What have you, uh, I assume you've, you, you know, bought me an aeroplane or something? Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've got you something at scale, yeah. And not not just one of the, yes, not one of those little scale ones this time, you know, we, <sighs> we need to up the scale, you know. How about if I buy you an F-111 or an F-18? I could go with that. Okay, can of beer on the way to you. <laughs> yes, you always bring it back to beer, Grant. You're a, you're a master well, at that. It is it is the life's water, you know. Well, I'm sure it is for some. You know, as many people know, I may have mentioned I prefer coffee. Anyhow, Grant, I wonder how they serve coffee on Bonza. Do you reckon Bonza Airlines serves a good cup of coffee? Well, they certainly had a good cup of coffee at their uh, Melbourne airport base opening the other day for those first passengers coming through on the first commercial flight out of Melbourne for Bonza. They now have two bases, one up north in the Sunshine Coast and one here in Melbourne. They're going to have two aircraft at each base. Yeah, interesting. And uh, of course, um, much to the chagrin of people in Sydney yet again, I imagine, because um, they're still (laughs) not flying into Sydney's international airport, but they are flying in here to Melbourne. So that's interesting. And of course, that is part of their philosophy is to take people from... uh, you know, down here in the south where it's, you know, traditionally a little bit cooler, you know. Like it was yesterday. Just ask anyone from Sydney. They're always <laughs> picking on our weather. Anyhow, um, yes, it is a bit cooler down here in Melbourne traditionally. And, of course, uh, Bonza wants to take people way up to the north in Queensland where it's always a lot warmer and much better weather. So uh, a good strategy, I think, and uh, interesting to see them. They did have a big media launch this week uh, at their Melbourne base. Now, as you say, Grant, only two aircraft. It's uh, certainly not going to set the world on fire in terms of uh, being a big dent in Virgin and uh, Qantas. But then again, Virgin and Qantas aren't flying to the same destinations and that's uh, also part of the uh, the Bonza Airlines strategy. I know right they've got four aircraft total two at each base but something's definitely going right because they've sold a hundred thousand in fact over a hundred thousand tickets through their app and uh, yeah we're watching them clocked I think now 110,000 so the demand is out there people want to get on the flights Um, I'm actually thinking I might especially as we get closer to winter zap up north for a midweek just for a day or two and and see what's up there and uh, you know maybe trade the freezing cold for the hot and humid and see what we get. Interesting, Grant. Now, they're selling flights from Melbourne to Cairns, which is a quite a long-distance flight uh, for $79 one way per person. Now, that's obviously not sustainable in the long run, is it? I mean, uh, they, it costs at the moment, even on Jetstar, it costs considerably more than that. Now, Bonza, of course, uh, have raised a lot of capital to uh, kick their airline off with. They'll be digging deep into those coffers at the moment. But at some point, they're going to have to start, you know, turning a profit. Um, still very early days. They've really only been operating for a couple of months. But uh, how, do you, how do you see that going? How, how long do you think you know, they can run with these really cheap fares. Well, mate, their CEO, Tim Jordan, has said that he wants to target flight pricing at fifty, about $50 per hour base cost. So $79, yeah, okay, that's introductory. So maybe it gets up to around 100 110 That's still pretty cheap to go from one end of the country to the other. So almost, not quite. But Let's see how it goes. I mean, it's an interesting question about sustainability. I think, you know, let's see where they're at in June and how they've, they've got lots of bookings for Easter and the school holidays. So that's a good indicator. And yeah, let's see how, how well they go over the next six to 12 months. That'll be, that'll be the true proof of the pudding, as they say. Yeah, and interesting. The other interesting thing too is whilst it might not uh, certainly put a dent in the way Qantas and Virgin operate, you've got to think about some of the smaller locations they're flying into, uh, Rex which is a, an airline regional express that you know traditionally does service a lot of those destinations. I wonder what they'll be thinking of that because uh, their fares are um, quite a lot higher for most of those destinations, at least as we're recording this now. 
Well, mate, I was just looking at prices to go to Adelaide for the Barossa Air Show that I'm at after Easter, and Rex was actually more expensive than Jetstar for that flight. And so it's it's not always that Rex is the cheapest, and they're operating on the Golden Triangle of Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, whereas Bonds has just gone, nope, we're taking the Southerners to the north and some people in the north to various other places. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they go, mate. And, and it's a really good question you've got. Are they sustainable? Yes. Well, speaking of sustainable, let's uh, switch over to Qantas because uh, they're uh, going green, Grant. In fact, uh, they've just entered into an agreement with a local company in Queensland to uh, produce biofuel and start running some of their aircraft on it. Jet Zero Australia, uh, in partnership with sustainable aviation fuel technology company Lanzajet, and now Qantas buying into it along with uh, Airbus, Queensland government, etc. cetera. Uh, this is turning byproducts of sugarcane into sustainable aviation fuel. So 11 years ago, Qantas was saying they were in for the long haul on sustainable aviation, and this is pretty much the long haul, isn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we actually mentioned that back at that time. Um, you know, we have been doing this uh, reporting on aviation here for a long time, and I, I actually do kind of remember uh, Qantas making that announcement way back at that time, and we we found some links to that uh, as we were doing some research for this segment today. So a long-term project, Obviously, they're going to be using uh, feedstocks such as sugarcane, which is in abundance in Queensland, particularly around far north Queensland. So it really makes sense that that they uh, do that. And, um, you know, for all of these companies that are talking about going green and and doing this sort of uh, going down this sustainability route, well, it's it's good to see that uh, Qantas is finally putting some money into that project and uh, really pushing ahead with it. I guess um, probably running hand in hand with their Project Sunrise as well. Well, yeah, mate, Project Sunrise is interesting in that, yeah, sustainable fuel will be helping that. Uh, it's, it's certainly getting some some views from people who are saying, hang on, you're taking fewer people longer, so the, the carbon that they're generating on those flights per passenger is way higher than on flights that would actually stop somewhere because they're carrying more people. Yes, they burn a little bit more fuel, take a bit more time, but they offset per person so much more. And the whole thing of net zero versus true zero, all that kind of stuff, it's quite fascinating when you dig into it. But, uh, mate, for now, moving off sustainability, onto our pet little aircraft, the C-27J, the baby Herc, the one I went for a fly-in. I know you got the real Herc, but at least I got the baby Herc. Oh, you know, Grant, <laughs> that just reminds me of that time I went. Uh, uh, we won't we go, go down that path. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. <laughs> we now have three seconds to get to minimum safe distance. But anyhow, <laughs> uh, the C-27J, the RAF sent uh, one of them up to take part in Exercise Cope North at Guam. And uh, they were at great pains to point out that uh, although they changed the focus for 35 Squadron to regional support, humanitarian assistance, disaster recovery missions, due to the aircraft not having suitable anti-missile and self-defense and things like that to go into an actual hotspot, they were being used in what we call a warm spot. So they were going up to the fronts, they were dropping off in, um, they were dropping off supplies and so on, much like they do in an HADR role where there's damage from nature. In this case, they were simulating going into an airbase that had had damage from kinetic weapons, i.e. bombs, missiles. <laughs> so they were still going into a warm area, it wasn't directly a hotspot, and pointing out that they're not a civilian operation only aircraft. It's certainly an interesting evolution of this particular platform. It took the Air Force a long time to find a replacement for the Caribou, which is what this aircraft effectively replaced. 
So it sort of evolved from that role where it's basically a battlefield airlifter and, and being dedicated to that role. But uh, looking at it and saying, well, actually, you know, this aircraft is a little bit more versatile. It's a bit more modern. And hey, let's explore some other uh, avenues that we can use it for. And uh, those aircraft are in pretty heavy use already. And it's good to mm-hmm. see that, uh, you know, the Australian taxpayer obviously is uh, getting their bang for their buck out of it. Yeah. And uh, we certainly saw that to good effect during the bushfires, floods, and uh, in the region when there's been uh, various disasters and so on. But uh, yeah, it's good to see. We'll uh, like like Bonza. We'll keep an eye on it. Indeed, we will. Well, folks, that's everything we have for you on this week's Australia Desk. Grant, um, uh, you back to the Grand Prix this weekend? Of course, we do have the F ones here. That should uh, be of interest to Max. Oh, it it has been of interest to Max. He's very jealous because yes, I spent yesterday in the paddock club, uh, not the paddock itself, but looking down on it. Did go into the paddock briefly uh, when I was doing some pit walks and also going down and uh, visiting one of the garages, which was, it was a, an incredible time. Uh, definitely the best experience I've had with Formula One to date. And I've done a lot of corporate and general admission stuff. So it was great. Plus also got to catch up with the roulettes and was right up on the top when uh, Scotty Tabiner took the Spitfire at high speed straight above pit lane. It was fantastic. That is the coolest thing about having the Grand Prix here. There's always an aviation aspect to it. Of course, the question everybody wants to know is, will your fully restored RX-7, aka Binky, be out there on the track taking it up to the F1s? Not based on how I was doing in the uh, Formula One simulator yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, until next week, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran. Cheers, folks. Did we say we did research? They're going to believe that, aren't they? Well, it's the magic of radio, my friend.